0: welcome everyone. We're continuing our study of Simha. We are in class number 92. We are continuing our study of the Amidah. As we've mentioned, the Amidah is the blueprint of the blueprint of all relationships, especially marriage and of course the Hashem. We, up, we are up to the word hael. What does it mean when we say Ha'el? Simply, El means God. But El is referring to a specific attribute of Hashem. What is that? We say in the Vayia'avor, when Hashem gave Moshe Rabbeinu the 13 attributes of Hashem, He said, Hashem, Hashem, El, Rahum Vehanun. So which midah is El? So Rashi says that the word Hashem, Hashem, each one of them is midat tarahamim. Each one of them is referring to compassion. Why do you need two times Hashem for compassion? So he says one is before a person does something wrong, before they sin. And one is after the sin, it's a different kind of compassion. So what is L? We already have Hashem, Hashem. one before the sin, one after the sin. That means before someone does something wrong to you, there's one kind of compassion. After the, someone does something wrong to you, it's a different it's a higher level of compassion. So what is L? says Rashi. Afzo <laughs> midat Rahamim. This too is a characteristic of compassion. And he brings a proof. So why do we need a third one? So the commentaries explain that there are many levels to compassion. So El is after Hashem, Hashem. It's another level, meaning it's a different level of how Hashem gives us. For example, a person can get all their needs. That's one level of compassion. Or a person can get even more than that. Like it says by Abraham, that Hashem blessed them bakol, with everything. That's another level of compassion. So bottom line is that the word ha'el is referring to a high level of compassion. Clearly, compassion Rahmanut is one of the key ingredients in a great person and in great relationships and of course a great marriage. The only way our relationship with Hashem can happen is through Rahmanut. So we mentioned that Midah. Hashem, your Rahmanut Your Midah of Compassion is why we're here. And that is the Midah that needs to exist in all great relationships. We are commanded to walk in the ways of Hashem. And therefore, every time we see a Midah, a characteristic of Hashem, it's not just to see what Hashem is. The real purpose is that we need to copy, we need to follow. We also have to be Ha'il, to the people in our lives. The Gemara says, Mahu rahum af Just like you see Hashem is compassionate, you should do the same. What exactly does Rahmanut mean? So I'm sorry it's a very simple question, but it's worthwhile just to go dig dig into the roots from the beginning to understand what is Rahmanut? Why is it different than kindness, for example? Rahmanut, the word in Hebrew for compassion, comes from the root word of Rechem. The word rehem describes the womb of the woman, where the baby develops inside of her. What does the womb have to do with Rahmanut? The answer is that the woman, through her pregnancy and her ability to deal with the difficulties of having this child grow inside of her, she develops a certain love for that child. A love that we have nothing in this world to compare to. A woman's love for her child is something very unique. And that develops because of the connection that she had with that child while she had to, we'll call it, suffer. I don't know if that's the right word. But it was difficult for her to have that child grow inside of her. She had to go through different types of challenges. And those challenges make her super connected to that child and therefore invest in that child and, of course, love that child. So the womb of the woman is actually the example, the paradigm of caring for another person in every way. A woman looks at her child's needs from every angle. There's no... One type, it's not a money thing, it's not a health thing, it's not an education thing, it's everything. It's looking at that person and seeing their needs. Being that Rahmanut comes from the word rehem, Rahim is the beginning of life. The reason why a woman has those feelings for her child to give him life and more is starting from that rehem, which gives us a little understanding of what the word Rahmanut means. Rahmanut means for me and you, that we give people life. We can't give people life in the sense of being born. But there are so many ways to give people life. So if the word Rahmanut begins in the word rehem. And Rahim is the beginning of life. So it means that Rahmanut is me giving someone else in my life Hayim. To give them life. That is really what the word means. What's the difference between kindness and compassion? The answer is that kindness begins even if there's no need. Even if somebody's not lacking anything, there's something inside of me that wants to do for somebody else. But Rahmanut always begins with someone who is missing something. So when someone is lacking in my life, I have the ability, when someone is lacking, they're missing a little bit of Hayim. They're missing a little bit of life. And my ability to give them what they're missing, gives them back their life. In its complete state. So again, kindness means I want to help people. Compassion is I know there's someone who is missing something and it is my obligation or I feel the responsibility to give them back what they're missing so I can complete their life. So let's review. One more time. You'll forgive me for the simplicity. Rahmanut is compassion. I know what the word translates. But what does it mean in real life? It means that there's somebody in my life that is missing something and I have the ability to give them what they're missing so I can complete them and therefore they will have a new level of Hayim. Just like the Rahim began life, so too the person of Rahmanut is the one who gives out life. What does that mean in practical terms? How do I give out life? And life to whom? So first of all, Rahmanut is a responsibility. Those who have Rahmanut feel that responsibility not only on humans. Obviously, friends, relatives, community members, but really all humans, not only humans, even animals. The Torah tells us that if we see an animal is suffering, we are obligated to have Rahmanut on the animal and relieve it of its pain. Rahmanut is a midah that is within us towards the beriyot. Hazal tells us the beriot means all creations. So much is this Mizvah responsibility that the Pasuk says, Venatati Ayasev. I will give grass, food for your animals, and then you eat and drink and be satiated. Excuse me. Hazal tells us that before a person eats, he must feed his hungry animal. You're not allowed to eat before you feed your behemoth. That's a compassion that we must feel even for behemoth. In fact, Moshe Rabenu, Hazal tell us, was chosen to be the leader of the Jewish people because of his Rahmanut that he had on the sheep that he was taking care of. The Midrash brings a beautiful story. When Moshe Rabenu ran after one of the animals that he was supposed to be taking care of, and when he saw that the animal jumped into the water to get some drink, it realized, he realized that, you, that the animal was thirsty. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, I can't believe it. That I didn't realize that you were missing something. He took the animal on his shoulder and brought it back to the flock. Hashem says, Wow, you have Rahamim on animals. You are the one that could lead my nation. So Moshe Rabbeinu was actually tested how much Rahamim he had on behemoth. This Midah of Rahmanut is more than just a nice Midah. Hazal tells us that whoever has this Midah, whoever behaves with this Midah, be yadua. It is known, Shehu Mizarao Shel Avraham Avinu. Someone who has the Mida of Rahmanut, who sees people in need and takes care of them, it's known he must be from the offspring of Avraham Avinu. That's nice, but it gets a little more strong. They call me Sheeno Merahim and someone, if you see someone who is able to help somebody but refuses or ignores the opportunity, those are strong words. Beyadua means it is known. She'enom Avraham Avinu. He cannot be from the offspring of Avraham Avinu. Those are very strong words. You see a person who is in a situation of someone in need, and they ignore them. They don't help them. They don't give them money if they need it. They don't give them food if they need it. They don't give them a place to stay if they need it. They don't give them a nice word if they need it. They don't give them time if they need it. They desperately need it. And you see them, that they ignore them. says, The Gemara in Masechet Betza, Be'yadu'ah, That this is not from the children of Abraham Avinu. Now you might say this is like just a, a dramatic statement. But actually, this statement makes it into halakha. The Rambam writes in a few places. That if you see someone in the Jewish community that is cruel... and doesn't have compassion. I don't know exactly where the line is. There's different levels of compassion. I don't know where cruel begins. But says the Rambam, if there is someone in our community who is cruel and doesn't have Rahmanut, we have to worry about his Yehus. We have to look into his ancestors to make sure that they are indeed Jewish. It's unbelievable halacha <laughs> Maaseh says that Rambam: You have someone cruel in your community; you better check them out, make sure they're Jewish, look into their lineage. She'en ha'achzariyut metsuya ela bagoyim she'ne'emar achzarihema ve'lo there's no such thing as Ami Israel that doesn't have Rahmanut. Again, I assume there are different levels of Rahmanut, and I assume he's talking about the lowest level, basic Rahmanut. Someone doesn't have basic Rahmanut, you need to check into their lineage. Now I bet having this talk with people like yourselves or anyone listening, is probably a waste of time and let me explain why because I believe everybody here believes that they have Rahmanut after all you take care of your children you take care of your families you take care of people in need people go for visits to those who are of, of uh, their sick or old we give charity I think that having this discussion with normal people from Bnei Yisrael is a waste of time. Because everyone's going to walk out saying, beautiful, what a class. I learned more about myself. I knew that this Midah of Rahamim is important, and Baruch Hashem, I am that person. And therefore, it was a good class to feel good about who I am. But actually, to learn something from this Midah, Probably impossible, because I believe we all feel like we have this midah. And I believe that every one of us, if somebody came to us and there was a real need and we were aware of it, we would step to help. I don't think anybody here, anyone listening, would turn away someone who is in need of their help. I don't think anybody here if somebody was lacking hayim, lacking life, they would say you know what, I don't care. I'm not giving it to you. I'm not going to help you. So why are we having this class? What is the purpose of talking about something that we're all very good at? We have plenty of subjects to work on before we get to the things that are simple and obvious. So I must tell you That there's two types of Rahamim. I didn't see it in the books written this way, but it's obvious. One type of Rahamim is when somebody is standing in front of you asking you for help. Or clearly needs help. Like a person who's laying on the floor screaming. They're not asking you. But that's a situation where it's clear that the person needs help. But I will tell you, there's another kind of Rahamim, which is really what we came to talk about today. It's not a Rahamim where somebody asks you for your help. Because in reality, in life, Most people will never ask you for what they need. Most people either are too proud or may not even realize what they need. These these are people in your homes. These are people in your families. These are people that you see every day. People in your office, people in the Bet Midrash, people in the Bet Knesset. How often does someone come to you and say, I need you for something? Most people will never ask you. It's very, very, I would say, minimal that someone says, I need your help. It takes a lot for a person to come and ask you, I need your help. So if you're going to wait to be a compassionate person, For situations that come your way, for the husband that asks for your help, for the wife that's pleading for your assistance, for your cousin that's calling you for money. If you're going to wait to show your compassion till the situation arises, so you're riding on a very, very low level of compassion. The real midah of compassion that we need to acquire, I will call it in my own words, an active compassion. Active not because you're doing something. Active means actively realizing what people need even though they don't ask you. Being able to see and observe people And from your observation, you can assess what they might be going through. Identifying with the person in their situation and kind of imagining what it would be like to be in their shoes. Is the person happy? Do they look sad? To be observant of the people around us. It's very easy to go through life and never really think about why the other person looks the way they do. But being a compassionate person means to be an observant person. It means to look out for the people out there, people not out in the world, out there means in your life out there, that are needing something. Are they weak? Are they strong? Do they look afraid? Are they confident? To appreciate people's problems. Focusing and asking yourself, what is their burden right now? How does it feel to be elderly? How does it feel to look the way they look? Not the elderly, another person. What does it feel to be hard of hearing? What does it feel like to live without teeth? What does it feel like to lose a mother, to lose a father? How does it feel to be your first day on the job? What's it like moving into a new neighborhood? Real compassion has to start from me. If compassion is going to start from the person who needs me, there are going to be very rare moments in my life that I'm going to be able to exercise my compassion. Active compassion means you are the one who initiates. Not that you initiate their need, but you initiate their, to, to realize what their need is. The pasuk by Bil'am when that donkey was refusing to follow the road and Bil'am kept hitting the donkey, finally the angel of God came to Bil'am and says, why are you hitting your donkey? You kept hitting him. It's me that was blocking his way. Yomer Bil'am el-Mal'ach Hashem. Bil'am answers the angel. He tells him, Hatati, I sinned, I made a mistake. Ki lo yadati. because I didn't know. Ki nitzav likrati. I didn't know that you were blocking the road. So they ask a question, if he didn't know, so how did he sin? What do you mean, I sinned, because I didn't know? If you didn't know, then you didn't sin. Why does he say, Hatati, I sinned, because I didn't know? The answer is that sometimes in life, the sin is that you didn't know. Why didn't you know? A great rabbi walked into a town and saw one of his students. And he asked him, You know, there's a man in your town who's having an issue with whatever it was. How come you're not paying attention to him? So the rabbi says to his rabbi, I didn't know. I had no idea he was going through that. So he told him, that's the sin. The sin is you didn't know. Now, I don't know how far that goes. I don't know how far to take that. But clearly... There are people very close to us where we're going to be asked, why didn't you help that person? And you might just answer, I didn't know. But that's not going to cut it because you were close enough to know. You were close enough to realize what they were feeling if you just paid attention. (laughs) Hatati kiloyadati. There are going to be many situations that we're going to miss the opportunity of compassion because simply we didn't know when we were supposed to know. Take it as a given that most people in life need you. Take it as an automatic that almost every person all the time in your life needs you for something. This example was given to us by the Creator Himself. I mentioned this once to you before. The Gemara says in Masechet Berachot, excuse me, Masechet Shabbat, that when Moshe Rabbeinu went up to get the Torah, he saw, whatever this means, he saw Hashem is making crowns on the letters of the Torah. So when he walked in, he just stayed quiet. And Hashem tells him, Moshe, en shalom be'ircha? Where you come from, they don't wish peace upon people? Shalom is a blessing. I bless you with shalom. So Moshe was surprised. Hashem had a claim on Moshe. How could he walk in and not bless Hashem? Hash- he tells Hashem, shalom He says really I'm the, the slave, that nobody me is going to bless you with Shalom. How could that be? Hashem told "Amarlo." he said to him, lecha you should have helped me. Help me with what? says Rashi Allah Shalom, you should have said here you are, You're putting crowns on the letters. You should have told me you should be matzliah. That would have helped me. I needed someone to give me a few words of encouragement. Here I am putting crowns on the letters. I was lacking something and I needed you to give me that push. Now this story is impossible to understand. How could Hashem lack anything? What does that mean? So the commentaries explain that Hashim, of course doesn't lack anything but He wanted to give us an example. He wanted to volunteer Himself as someone who needs to teach us that there's nobody in life that you will ever meet that doesn't need you for something. Never think that person has so much money. They don't need me. That person has so much kavod. They don't need me. That person has such a beautiful family. They don't need me. That rabbi is so big. He doesn't need me. God says himself, I need you. So therefore, take that as a rule for life. That whoever you meet needs you for something. And it is you who needs to see what they need you for. Because they're not going to tell you. A real compassionate person knows the rules That everybody who I meet needs me. Sometimes for little things, sometimes for bigger things. And they're never going to tell me. And until I figure out this compassion, I cannot call myself a compassionate person. Maybe I'm not cruel, but I'm not compassionate. The real compassion that's going to make a difference in our relationships, a marriage of the first compassion that I mentioned, is not going to cut it. A marriage that waits for someone to ask and beg for what they need is not a marriage that's gonna be in Gan Eden, that's for sure. But imagine a marriage where each side has this active compassion, where they're actually thinking about what the other person needs before they ask. A home that's raising children, that's thinking about them before there's a problem, before they cry, before they're suffering. A child who anticipates and realizes what his parents need from him before they ask him. Before your mother says, why don't you call me? Before your mother says, why don't you visit me? Before your mother says, how come you never asked me how my day was? If your mother has to ask you, how come you never asked me how my day was? So then you're not in the right place. Active compassion, real compassion that we're talking about today is the ability to know what is missing. There's no question Is there anybody that you know in our circles that would see someone on the floor screaming and wouldn't stop to help? You can never imagine that such a person even exists. But we do it all the time. All the time. I'm not talking to you, someone today, as better than you. I'm talking to you as guilty as all of us. That all the time there are people on the floor screaming quietly and we're just walking right by and those people could be from the most important people in our lives and we're just walking along we don't pay attention we don't realize we don't say we don't react obviously it's not as bad as the first one but it's also not being compassionate What are different examples that we can share about compassion? There are many different ways of being a compassionate person. Some are obvious and some not so. So you'll forgive me, I'll give you some of the obvious ones too. Not everything that we have to say has to be a Hidush. The Hidush has to be that we do it. It's not necessarily what we learn that's exciting. It's what we become that makes it exciting. And sometimes the obvious things are not so obvious in the reality of a person's life. First example of Rahmanut is no other than Moshe Rabbeinu that we just read in this week's parasha. That Moshe Rabbeinu Vayigdal Moshe Moshe grew up here is an example of somebody who was in a palace someone who had everything he needs nobody was coming in to ask him for help he was way beyond their ability to reach he was behind the security and the comfort and the luxury of the palace of Paro. he basically grew up as an Egyptian He had it all. And sitting in that palace, there would never be a moment of compassion. None of the people would actually get to him to ask him, could you help us? But the pasuk says, Vayetze El Echav. Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't compassionate on the first level. He had compassion of Vayetze. He went out to see who might need him. Vayar Lotam. Rashi says. What does it mean? He saw their burdens. What does that mean? It says Rashi, Natan einav velibo. Look at those beautiful words. The beautiful words of Rashi that are so relevant, such clarity. Natan einav velibo. He put his eyes and his mind, and his heart. لِهِيَوْتْ <speaking> alehim, <in Hebrew> To feel their suffering. Our eyes are always open to see people. We also are Natan Enav. We also could see people in need. But the greatness of Moshe Rabenu is Natan Enav velibo. He saw with his eyes, and then he took the next step, of imagining what these people might be missing. Natan Aina veliboh is the secret of real compassion. Natan Aina is simple compassion. Real compassion is Natan Aina veliboh. Are you only seeing through your eyes? Or are you also seeing through your mind, through your heart? And what did he do? He got involved. He tried to give an assistance to those in need. And we know the stories of how he got involved with an Egyptian man who was hitting one of his brethren. And he got involved with two Jews that were fighting. And then he ran away because Para'o wanted to kill him. And again he got involved as a fugitive by the well of Midian when he saw that they were taking advantage of young ladies who were waiting on line to fill up water. And they pushed them aside to go and fill up. Moshe got involved. And it says Vayoshian and he saved them. Moshe Rabbeinu was a man who got involved, he showed his compassion with what he did for those in need. But there are other ways of showing compassion to people. There's a compassion by simply listening. Very often people just need you to hear what they have to say. Sometimes they want to talk about their wedding and they want to share a simha, and they want to tell you how great it was. And of course, you've heard it a thousand times. And you probably could repeat every word they're going to say. But there's a great happiness. They have a need right now. Someone who had a simha and wakes up the next morning has a need. It's a need to share what they experienced. It's a need to hear from those around them how beautiful it was, how special it was, what was special about it. It may sound silly. What do you mean I'm not married yet? They got married. They have a need. Who's bigger need, them or me? But that's not how it works in life. We don't measure needs based on who you are and what they are. You may have a need and they have a need. When someone is happy, They have a need. The need is communication. They want to share it from both angles. They want to hear about it and they want to talk about it. Just listening could be an act of compassion. Crying with somebody about something they're going through is a tremendous act of compassion. So many people have a hard time visiting those in need. Whether it's a person who is suffering in a hospital or a person who is sitting in Avelut, people have a very hard time going to a situation that is painful. And in their mind, they're uncomfortable because what are they going to say? What's the line that they're going to say that's going to change that person's life? How are they going to make them feel better? But like we've said time and time again, you don't have to have the line. You don't have to say anything. You just have to be there. Sometimes a tear or two can make all the difference in that person's pain. Sometimes a word to a person who's not feeling well, like, it must be hard for you could be such a lift, but wait, I didn't make them feel better, I reminded them that it was hard for them, yes, but you're recognizing that it's hard for them, you're carrying the burden with them, I must have shared the story a dozen times, about the great Rosh Hashiv of the Mir, Allah Shalom, Rafinkel, who had a woman come to him later on in his life when he was really sick, I mean he was sick for a long time, but he was really sick, And the woman came to him. She told him she was diagnosed with a terminal illness. And she wanted the rabbi to pray for her and to give her chizuk. And the rabbi told her, I can't pray for you. I can't give you chizuk. I can't talk. He said, you know what, but I can do something. He said, why don't you read Tehillim in front of me and I will listen and cry with you. The woman writes that in her journey of her sickness, that was the most beautiful moment and the most strength that she had in all of her visits. Not the friend that says, you're going to do it. Not the person that says, don't worry. A person who didn't say a word. He just cried with her. Sometimes that's all it takes. It just takes to hear the person. Sometimes it's a person in your home and sometimes it's sometimes, someone who is not so close to you. Compassion, by just listening. And sometimes compassion is shown by not saying anything at all. Sometimes compassion is when you don't say something. What does that mean? I'll give you an example. You're talking about your business in front of someone who's trying to find a job. That's called cruel. It's a lack of compassion. You're obviously not thinking about what that person is lacking. So not only are you not trying to help him, but it's cruelty. You're making them suffer. Compassion could be, or a lack of, cruelty, the opposite of compassion. Compassion. Talking about how long your contractor is taking to build your home. It's been nine years. We had to redo the steps again. The kitchen didn't come out as good as we'd like. Another six months. And you're talking in front of a person that can't afford rent. That's called cruelty. What did I do? Don't they know? When you don't feel what other people are feeling and therefore you put in salt on their wound, it's cruelty. You don't mean to be cruel. It's not cruelty in the sense of I want to make them suffer. But it's cruelty nonetheless. It's hatati kiloyadati. I sinned because I didn't know. Why didn't you know? You know they're there. You know they're looking at you. You know they're listening. Why are you talking about that? Talking about how awesome your child is in front of someone whose child has been kicked out of five schools. Oh, my son got the valedictorian. Isn't that awesome? That's called cruelty. But it's public knowledge. Everyone knows. But it's not your place. To make someone suffer, compassion in that area would be just to keep quiet. Don't talk about it. Don't talk about your kitchen. Don't talk about your son. Talking about your children in front of someone who doesn't have children. Not for 20 years they don't have children. They don't have children for two years. One year. Think about what that person might be going through. You told me how cute your birthday was for your first daughter. Look at the pictures. Let me share them with you. Let me show you. Yes, sometimes sharing pictures could be cruelty. Social media has brought out cruelty in people and they don't realize. Not cruelty on purpose, but cruelty nonetheless. When you share things that are exciting about your life and so many people are looking at it, there's going to be somebody hurt. Someone is going to be in pain. But why is it my fault? Because you are putting them in that position. Should they not go on it? Yes. But that doesn't give you the license. Just because someone is crossing the street doesn't give you the license to run them over. A person needs to think twice and four and ten and thirty times before they post something. Before they share something. Before sending a picture of their daughter just got engaged to someone who has a daughter that didn't get yet engaged. That can be very cruel. Cruel. I know it sounds a little, whoa, but it is. That's what compassion is. Again, she knows your daughter got engaged. That's not the, you don't have to hide. But you just have to be a little careful, a little sensitive. Just like when someone cries with you, in your pain, it makes you feel a little better. When someone doesn't cry with you and puts ads and makes believe they don't know what's going on by your life, it makes you more in pain. They make your, your box a little more heavy to carry. When I cry with you, I feel your pain, the, the box gets lighter. When I ignore your pain and talk about something that pains you, it makes your box heavier. There are many examples of compassion by not saying anything at all. Could you imagine how beautiful that is? That all you did is say nothing and you are called a compassionate person. Another example of compassion this is so hard and you'll forgive me for sharing some difficult examples and like I said I am one of you I'm not here saying that I'm great at this but that doesn't exempt me from talking to you about it when we don't include people in our Invitations in our weddings, in our class get togethers. It's a class of 20 children, 10 get invited. If you invite 10 out of 20 children, you can just imagine that could be 10 children are feeling pain because of you. If not ten, maybe five. If not five, maybe one. It's not worth it. You don't make a get-together for half a class. Now, of course, you don't mean to be cruel, and you'll say, so what should I do? What you should do is think about what the other kids feel, and imagine it was your child, and figure out a way to do it. There's always a way, if you just try Again, did you mean it? No, but it's called hatati, Kilo yadati It's still wrong. Why didn't you know? Why didn't you think? You invite some of your friends not the other friends. It's a problem. I don't know where the I don't know where that line is I don't know And I'm saying I'm not saying I know all the answers But at least you have to ask the question You may not know all the answers if you did your best At least you could say, I did my best. I thought about it, I knew the problem, and I tried to take care of it. Angels were not. But to ignore that there is a danger is inappropriate. It's a lack of Rahmanut. It's so hard. This is my personal opinion. It's so hard making a wedding. It really is very hard to make a wedding. It's one of the most difficult situations to be in, especially in this community. Because without realizing, you could be hurting dozens of people in one shot. You don't mean it, it's not coming from a bad place could happen. What's the solution? At least be aware of it. Just be aware of the problem. Be aware that when you make a simha and you don't invite certain people, they may get very hurt and very upset. We're not angels. We'll make mistakes. But at least we'll try. At least know that having a wedding is a scary situation. I know it sounds weird. But it's scary. We have to take extra caution and the side of being wrong will be mahmir. It will be extra strict to invite somebody who might get hurt. You have to invite the whole town? No. But everybody knows there's this, this borderlines of people that really feel close to Another example of compassion is when you're giving somebody rebuke. Maybe it's your son, maybe it's your daughter, maybe it's your student, maybe it's your friend. They did something wrong and they had to be told. You had to take action in a difficult way against somebody because they deserved it. A student is out of line. So you had to say something. You had to do something. Your neighbor was out of line. So you had to say something. Even when there is din, din is when you take action to show someone that they did something wrong. Even there, there has to be compassion. Even that has to be done in a compassionate way which means I could tell my son that he's going to have something taken away from him, but even that has to be done with compassion. I could tell him, you know what? You now have to earn yourself back into this class, but it has to be done with compassion. The pasuk says, Adonai ish milhama Hashem is a warrior. He's a soldier. Hashem Shemo. We say this every day. Hashem Ishmil Hama. Hashem is a fierce warrior. Hashem Shemo. But his name is Hashem. What does that mean? It says Rashi Alava Shalom. Af Besha'ah. Even at the time Shehun nilham that he is fighting with his enemy venokem meoivav he's taking revenge against his enemy, the one that did such horrible things to his people, and he's going to fight he's still holding on to his midah of rahamim, lerachem al beruav. To have compassion on his creations. When Hashem does things to reprimand or even to fight, even that is done with Rahamim. Which means even when you have the right to fight your neighbor, but it has to be done with compassion. Just because they did something wrong, that doesn't make them the carpet that you're going to go and step on. A lot of times we feel that way. We feel, well... They did wrong, so I could do that. No, no, you can't do that. If they did wrong, you could fix what's wrong. But that doesn't give you the license to go yell at them and scream at them and belittle them. Your son went out of line in the way he behaved. He needs something to be said or to be done. That doesn't give you the right to go and belittle your child and make them feel like they're a zero. Such a fine line between deen and rahamim. Sometimes in life you have to have deen. You have to tell the person. Sometimes your own spouse you have to tell. By the way, I just want to tell you what you did yesterday, you hurt me. It was wrong. You have to say sometimes things like that. Deen. But you got to make sure your Hashem Shemo, Hashem means rahamim. Even while you're an Ishmael Hama, Hashem Ishmael Hama, Hashem Shemo. But his name never changes. His compassion never changes. He's doing it all with compassion. I could tell you the worst, most difficult words about you, but with tears, with a heart, with Rahmanut. That's what the brothers of Yosef realized when they were having a hard time in Egypt when the ruler of Egypt was giving them a very hard time look what they said aval anahnu they said to each other we are guilty al ahinu for our brother asher rainu nafsho we saw his suffering when he was begging us and we didn't hear that's why we're suffering now and the Mepharshim asked what do you mean what do you we sinned they didn't do that to Yosef out of negativity they didn't do it because they thought they were doing something wrong maybe they did wrong but they didn't think that they had a bed they sat together they decided that was the right thing to do whatever their claims were on Yosef, they even included Hashem in the in the in the bed what do you mean we did wrong I thought they thought they did right why do, are they thinking that they did something wrong but notice what they said They didn't say we did wrong for selling him. They didn't say, oh, we sinned that we sold our brother. It doesn't say that. Actually, they felt okay about that. They felt that was the right thing to do. That was the deen that Yosef needed. He needed to be sold. That was their opinion. That's what they decided. They were okay with that. But where did they go wrong? Look at the words. Where? Al-Ahinu, that we saw him suffering and he pleaded with us, Velo Shama'nu, we didn't hear, we didn't say we understand yourself, we understand you. We also feel terrible, we're also crying to lose you. We just have to do this, there's no other way. They didn't do that. We just sent them away and didn't hear what he had to say. al ken, that's why we're suffering. Even when there's Din, there has to be Rahamim. Another example of Rahamim <coughs> is compassion for a person's spiritual needs. You know very often as parents, we see the needs of our children physically. That's why we buy them clothing. That's why we cook for them. That's why we have them a home, a room, furniture. But it has to be rahmanut on their soul. There has to be rahmanut on their neshama. We have to be able to see their neshama lacking. Not everything that we give them is good for their neshama. It might be good for their physical side, but not good for their soul. We have to have rahmanut on their neshama. That's what Shlomo HaMelech says, If you do not tell your children no, if you don't know how to reprimand the child properly, you put away the stick. You're that beautiful parent that whatever they want, they get. They want to eat now, they get it now. They want to eat from that place now, they get it now. They want to go out to eat now, they get it now. What, what toy do they want for them? Where do they want to go? Theirs. You're such a beautiful parent, such compassion. Every time your child wants something, you get it for him. It looks so beautiful on the outside. But says you're forgetting the most important part of this young person is their soul, their neshama. Have compassion on their soul. What you give them might be damaging their soul. They need for the neshama to hear, no, it's not good for you. No, you shouldn't go to that place. No, it's not the right atmosphere for you. No, we can't go on that vacation. No, no, we can't wear that. But it's so hard for me, Ma'am. I know. I know it's hard for you. And I feel your pain. I understand you. But it's not good for you. That's also compassion. In fact, in a sefer called Or Yisrael, in the famous Igeret Amusar, he says, "En lecha gedola. There isn't a greater compassion To awaken a person to have more in their spiritual life. Parents have to think about that. Teachers have to think about that. Rabbis have to think about that. It would be so beautiful if every time a rabbi would see somebody in the Bet Knesset, they would give them compliments on their shirt, on their suit, on their tie, on their smile, on their kippah, on their... Beautiful, and we should do that. But don't forget that they're screaming from their soul. And you need to figure out how to get to their neshama. You can't just be satisfied with showing compassion to their body. That is the greatest compassion, says the Or Yisrael. The greatest compassion is when you are thinking about the person's eternity. You're not thinking about them tomorrow, the next day, about forever. Where are they going forever? How are they building their home? How are they going to build their legacy? How are they going to build their family? You need to think about all those things when a child is still small. Their neshama is their simha. Their true simha. is it all about fun and games, or are there, are, do they have the ability to experience simha in their life? Another example of compassion is what the Gemara says in Masechet Ketubot. Yemana says Gadol Hamalbin Shinaim Greater is the one who smiles to his friend. Yoter Mimashkehu Halav. More than giving them milk. Milk is an example of something that's nutritious. Something that a person needs. For their strength and health, especially a young person. The Gemara says that as nutritious, as, as important as a cup of milk is, someone who gives a smile to another person is more nutritious and more healthy. The need For their physical well-being might be milk. But for their emotional well-being, they need, like the Gemara says, Malbin Shinaim. You whiten your teeth. The Aleh Shur, the great Rav says in his Sefer, he says to return a greeting. Someone says hello, Shalom. To return a greeting, he says, is called derech eretz. That's called proper respect. But to initiate a greeting, to be the first, to tell someone, good morning, have a good day, wish them a blessing, wish them peace in their life, he says, that's called hazrahat hashemesh. It's called sunshine. When you say hello to someone who says hello, it's Derech But when you initiate, it's not Derech It's sunshine. You know what sunshine is? Sunshine is energy. Sunshine is warmth. Sunlight, Sunshine is light. You give a person so much when you initiate a greeting, especially with your smile. Even little children who don't know how to talk They don't understand a word you're saying. But yet they react to a smile. A little child, someone smiles at them and they feel it. A smile is much more than a facial expression. A smile is something that reaches the heart of even a little child. He understands when you smile, there's sunshine coming his way. He may not understand what's going on, but he feels it. A child that grows up in a home of sunshine is greater than a child who grows up in a home of milk. We're so much rushing to give our child their physical needs. But the atmosphere of the home is so much more important. Why did Hashem make smile come through the teeth? Why do we have to open our mouth to smile. Why is that the right way to show someone that you care about them? Why did Hashem do it that way? You could have done it with the eyes. You could have done it with the forehead. You could have done it with a finger. Why is it the right way to open my mouth and show you my teeth and that's going to express my feelings towards you? Why would the Creator choose that part of the body? It seems like a weird place to show that you care about somebody. Some explain because an average adult has 32 teeth. 32 in Hebrew is lev. Lamed bet, 32. And actually, when you open your mouth and you show the teeth, the teeth are like the windows of your heart. You open your mouth to tell the person that you mean something to my heart. So I open my mouth and I put the windows, which is the teeth, to show you how much I care about you. So much is said when somebody smiles properly. A proper smile, not all smile. They were rabbis that practiced smile. They practiced. Because not all smiles get the message across. It's called panim yafot. Panim yafot means a beautiful face. A beautiful face is a face that expresses the feelings that you have inside towards the other person. It's an ummanut. It's something that you have to acquire. It's not just showing your tooth. It's not like that. It's something where you're able to Bring your inside through your smile. It's the ability to communicate so many essays of words with just a moment of a smile. You know, if we had to tell every person how much we love them, there will be not enough time in this lifetime. Imagine every time I see somebody, I have to write them an essay of how much I love them and care about them and how much they are dear to me. But Hashem did a miracle for us. He allowed us to give over the essay with opening our mouth in a moment with a smile but you got to do it right it's got to come with the heart the smile that doesn't come with the heart is evident to any receiver it's clear that's not a smile that's not real you've seen we've seen all the fake smiles The the, the, the smile that the person shows he doesn't care the smile of I'm doing you a favor that's why I'm smiling. The smile, the rabbi said, I have to smile, so I'm smiling. <laughs> There's all kinds of these smiles. that don't mean anything. It's not a smile that does it. It's your heart. It's your live that's, that's coming through the windows, which are your teeth. There were rabbis that practiced smiling on the phone. The great Sifte hayim one of the great rabbis in the last hundred years. He would say to his students that even on the phone, a person could feel your smile. So Go, go try that. <laughs> and if you're wondering how big is a smile to another person, so let me tell you, a beautiful, small Hidush that you'll never forget. As we end the Amidah in Sim Shalom, we ask Hashem for the most beautiful blessing of Shalom in our lives. We say like this, Ubarechenu Avinu, our Father, bless us. Kulanu, all of us, together. Be'or Panecha, bless us with the light of your face. The light of your face. Why are we saying that? So we continue. Ki beor panecha, because it's only through the light of your face, natatalanu Hashem elokenu, you give us Torah. Look what Hashem gives through the light of His face. Torah, hayim, ahava, so Torah, life, love, hesed, kindness, tzedakah, rahamim, beracha, shalom. What a, what a beauty. Wait, wait, one second. Where do they come from? Ki beor panecha. What does that mean? Hashem gives us all these blessings through the light of His face. Hashem doesn't have a face. And why couldn't He give it to us without the light of His face? What does that mean? Why do we say that? And by the way, this is a copy of Birkat Koanim. Look at Birkat Koanim. We say, Yevarecha Hashem should Hashem bless you and watch over you. Next words. What do we say? Ya'er Hashem panav elecha. May Hashem light His face on you. And He should take care of you. No, no, not Hashem should take care of you. No, first He should, Ya'er, let Him light His face on you and take care of you. Next beracha. Yissa Adonai panav elecha. May Hashem raise His face onto you. Ve'yasim shalom. And give you peace. No, not just give you peace. No. That we can't say. That's not a berakha. We sh- Hashem should raise His face on you. And then give you peace. What is this face business? Why do we keep repeating Hashem's face? So I don't know the depth, depth, depth of what it means. Hashem's face. But one thing is very clear to me, that Hashem is the model for all of us. And Hashem says to us, you know how I give blessings? I give blessings through my face. That's the way my berachot, they come through my light of the face. Why does He tell me that? What's the difference, I ask you, if I get a blessing from Hashem through his face or through his hand or through his legs? What's the difference? I want shalom. I want hayim. I want Torah. What's the difference where I get it from? Why does Hashem have to tell me? I don't care about the light of your face. I just need the blessing. Why does Hashem have to tell us? You know where I give it to you from? You want to know? You want to know how you're getting it? From my face. What does it matter? I don't care. I just want to get it. So obviously, if Hashem tells us, it must matter. You know why it matters? Because Hashem wants to tell you how you can bless people with your face. Because there is no greater source of you giving people in your life than through the light of your face. The light of your face, you can give people beracha. You can give them hayim. You can give them Torah. You can give them shalom. You can give them ahava. You can give them... All types of beautiful things. Where? Or panecha. Hashem is telling us the location of his blessings because he wants to teach us the power of our blessings. The people that we see day to day, the people in our homes, the people in our Bet Knesset, those people we can give them blessing. And if you say, but how? How do I have the power of the blessing? Where am I going to get that power of the blessing? Hashem says, well, let me ask you, don't you have a face? Didn't I give you a face? You know who else has a face? Me. And you know how I bless people? Through my face. I gave you that face. That face could bring blessing to your children, to your family, to your friends, to your neighbors. Use it. The source of the Berachot comes through the face. Such beautiful words. And what it, when Hashem doesn't give us what we need, what is it called? What do we call that? Pasuk says, When Hashem doesn't give us, then He hides His face. When we don't show our face, when we don't give the light to our face, That's taking away the blessings from the people in our lives. It says in Perkei Avot, You should accept, listen to these words, Every person, you should greet them, with a beautiful face, sometimes a smile, sometimes a feeling of sadness, sometimes a feeling, whatever the situation, a beautiful face, there are many different faces. Beautiful means beautiful for the moment. There's a face for a wedding and there's a face for a funeral. There's a face for every single type of situation. Panim Yafot means a beautiful face that is appropriate for the moment. Says the Mishnah Parket Avot, commandment, every person that you see, greet them with panim yafot. Who, which person? Call ha'adam. Call. Every person. What does the word call coming to include? If you just said, Heve mekabel adam, it means every person. Why did it say call adam? Every person. Who are you coming to include? Who would you have thought that you don't have to greet them? And the Mishnah says, Listen, call adam. Every person. Even that person. I think if I would ask this question to most normal people, they would say, well, it's including people that you don't know. Like, you know, strangers, people that you never met before, a new guy comes from out of town and you see him in shul. Call Adam. You don't have to know the person to greet them. Even people that you don't know, just greet them. Nothing's going to happen if you tell a guy good morning. Nothing's going to happen if you say, welcome, have a beautiful day. They're not going to beat you up. That's what it sounds like. Kola Adam. Even people you don't know. But I'd like to tell you my own personal haydush and I think it's very simple. And it may sound a little strange. You know kola Adam is coming to include? Kola Adam is coming to include even people in your house. Even your spouse. Even your mother. Even your father. Even your brother and sister. What? Even? What do you mean? Those obvious. Those are the simple ones. What are you talking about? It's not coming to include the stranger? Nah, the stranger is easy. Because you never met the guy before. So when you don't meet somebody or you see them every week or every once in a while, you want to remind them how much you love them. So you open up your mouth and you give them that grand smile to remind them of how much they're important to you. But what about the person that I live with? I've been living there for like 40 years. By now, they don't know that I love them. My child doesn't know that I care for them. My mother doesn't know that she's important to me. That's what most people feel when it comes to close relationships. They feel There isn't a need to bring the light of their face on those people. You will see. Go into another home, just go to somebody's home, and watch a stranger walk in, and you will see smiles. Your cousin from a small city in Mexico came. You never met them before. You heard they're coming. They come into your house, and you're screaming. Smiles from ear to ear. The hugs, the words, the beauty—unbelievable. Husband walks in. You don't—you don't even go to the door. No greeting, no hello. Oh, you're home. Okay. What? What just happened? That. Can't believe it. Does it make sense to you? A stranger comes, or a distant. Friend comes and you're all panim yafot because you heard this class. So now you're panim yafot to everybody in your in your life. But the people close to you, no need for panim yafot. What a horrible mistake! Call HaAdam, call even the people that know. That you love them. Don't take away their blessings. You're blessing them when you show them your panim yafot, a home that's built on greetings to each other. Every day with panim yafot is a different home. It's a different marriage. Something so small. Just greeting your spouse every day like you saw them for the first time, with the same excitement of going to the door and saying, wow, how was you there? I'm so happy to see you. That moment could save so much pain and so many problems. It's a moment that most people don't do and ignore. Says the Mishnah: make sure, call Adam. Make sure the mother, your father—you see them every day. Yes, they need to see that panim yafot. It's a serious issue. The pasuk says, "Yetomim hayinu ve'en av." We were like orphans with no father. So they ask, "What do you mean? Isn't the definition of an orphan that he has no father? Why do you have to say we were orphans?" With no father Answer is Because you could have orphans With a father There could be a father And a mother And a kid feels like an orphan Because they're not getting What they need They may be getting lunch They may get a vacation They may get room and board But they're not getting What's an orphan? An orphan is someone Who doesn't have someone To take care of their needs there are children and people in their own homes with a full family that feel alone. And they feel like orphans. They have an A. They have an M. And nobody's taking care of the certain essential needs that they have. Such an unbelievable midah this is. Ha'el. Great in compassion, I hope that I added something to your definition of compassion. It's not so simple to say, yeah, I'm compassionate. It's so much more than what we think it means. And just to end off, I'd like to tell you a little additional hizuk in this area. Because you might walk out of this class and you'll say, you know, I learned a lot today, but it's overwhelming overwhelming. I got to think about my children's classmates. I got to think about the people I didn't invite to the wedding. I got to think about about my husband, my wife, my children, my grandmother. My I'm overwhelmed. I, I don't know. Where, where do I start? It's, a, it's overwhelming. This doubt of compassion is overwhelming. It really is. So you might be so overwhelmed that you say, you know what? Forget it. Forget it. I can't do it. Let it be what's going to be, I can't do it. Let me give you a little heizuk in this area. Sometimes we need a heizuk, a little strength to push us past the, the line. There is a halakha in the Torah that speaks about destroying a city of Avodazara, a city of Jews in Eretz Yisrael that served idols. There's a halakha to destroy that city. Let's not get into the details, it's not right now the halacha, the discussion. It's called, it's called, What happens to the city? Destruction. You wipe out everything that's in it. All the idol worshippers, everything. You can't rebuild that city, it's gone. On that halakha, the Torah says, after it tells us what to do, there's a promise. Hashem says, I have a promise for you. Listen to this promise. You have to pay attention, because you lose it if you don't pay attention. The promise is, V'natan lecha rahamim. Hashem will give you compassion. V'rihamcha. And He will have compassion over you. Sounds repetitive, I know. But One more time. Hashem says, after this mitzvah of in nidahat, here's my promise to you. I'm going to give you compassion and I'm going to have compassion over you. Isn't that the same thing? Giving you compassion and having compassion over you is the same thing. What does that mean? Comes the Orachim HaKadosh and says, they're two, they're two separate things. He says, you know what happens to people who are supposed to go wipe out a city? You know what happens when you act with cruelty? Your soul develops cruelty. So now, what's going to happen to this person who's going to do this mitzvah? And he goes and starts killing people. It's a cruel act. If it's a cruel act, He's going to become a cruel person. So now what? Says the pasuk, lecha Even though you acted with cruelty, because since it's a mitzvah, I told you to do it. So Hashem says, I'm going to give you the rahamim that you lost. Because when you act in a cruel way, you lose your rahamim. Hashem says, So I'm going to make it up for you. Okay. What's hamcha? Says the Orahaim. Listen to these words. These words are so powerful. He says, Why does it say? He'll have compassion over you. Because the Torah is teaching me. Shekol zeman. So long as you are a cruel person, if you're not a compassionate person, So too will be with you. Hashem Says the Ora Hayim Kadosh, there's a rule in nature. Here's a rule of nature. Ready for this rule? There are many rules in nature. This is one of the rules. The rules are that we need Hashem's compassion. We don't deserve anything. From the minute that we're born, we didn't deserve to be born, and we don't deserve anything. Let nobody, and especially your own mind, convince you that we deserve anything. Even if we're the biggest tzaddikim and tzaddikot, we still don't deserve anything. Hashem gives us everything out of His Rahmanut. Remember that. Never go to Hashem and say, Hashem, I deserve it. That is a no-no. We don't deserve. We ask for a gift. We plead for something that we need. Please help us out of the kindness of your heart, not because we deserve it. On our own, we don't deserve. If Hashem is in open books, we're not getting nothing. That's clear. Good. We need Hashem's Rahmanut in life. So why did I wake up this morning? Because Hashem had Rahmanut on me. Why did I make a few dollars today? Hashem had Rahmanut on me. Why was I able to see today? Hashem had Rahmanut on me. Why did someone not wake up this morning? Because Hashem didn't have Rahmanut on him. Rahmanut is deciding what we have from life to everything else. Says the Ora Hayim, there is a rule of nature. It's nothing to do with righteous. It has nothing to do with being tzaddik, rasha. It's a rule of nature. For example, rules of nature are not affected by how great you are or how terrible you are. For example, if you jump up, gravity, nature, will bring you down. No matter who you are. It doesn't look, oh, you're a tzaddik, okay, I'm going to work for you. You're rasha, no, no, you stay in the air. It doesn't work like that. Nature doesn't differentiate between righteous or rasha. It doesn't care. Nature. There's a rule of nature, says the haim that Hashem gives compassion to those who are compassionate. That's a rule of nature. You want compassion? Well, you have to be compassionate. Says the haim that's why the Pasuk says, now that you're going to the city and acting with cruelty, you know what the biggest problem is? That you're not going to get Compassion. Because you're not compassionate anymore. You lost your ability to be the satellite of compassion. So that's why the Pasuk says, Hashem is going to give you Natan Lecha Rahamim. He's going to give you to be compassionate this way, this way He can have compassion over you. Because if you're not compassionate, you can't get compassion. Which is a very big Hizukh for all of us that when we're compassionate, we become a satellite, a receptacle to receive Hashem's compassion. Hashem will give you a situation. He'll send somebody in need to your house, somebody in need to your office, somebody in need on the phone. You know somebody needs you. You know who sent him? God sent you. You know why he sent him? Because you need compassion Hashem wants to give you compassion, but you need to be compassionate first. You're lacking in compassion. So Hashem gives you opportunities to go visit somebody, to go call somebody, to give money to somebody, to listen to somebody, to invite somebody, to include somebody, to say hello to somebody. Hashem will send you opportunities in your life that they have A certain poem they say by the holidays, it's called Machnise Rahamim. Those who bring in compassion. One great rabbi said, what do you mean bring in compassion? Who brings in compassion? All the opportunities Hashem sends you to help people in your life. Meaning when your husband comes home, your wife comes home, that's a moment. A moment of compassion on yourself. Because you're showing compassion onto others. Every opportunity of compassion is a compassion opportunity for yourself as well. A person should realize how huge this midah is, both for a marriage, both for connecting to Hashem, and to live a life of shlemut, and how big of a biracha you're going to have in your life when you become a receptacle of Rahmanut, don't push that receptacle away. Whenever you see the opportunity, or look for the opportunity, open your eyes, see who's in need, take care of them. In essence, you're really taking care of yourself. <laughs> He's going to give you Rahamim to give to others. So he can give you Rahamim. It comes back to you as well. That's an extra chizuk that a person has. I will leave you off with a 30-second story, a story of a great rabbi, Rabbi Chrysworth, Was an unbelievable tzaddik, lived a long life in Europe. He was the rabbi, chief rabbi of Antwerp. He says that he was in the time of the Holocaust that the Nazis came to his yeshiva and they took the boys one by one and killed them, shot them and he was on that line, and he was told to go to that line, the line where they were shooting the people. He says he had two minutes before it was his turn to get killed. Imagine this. We can't even imagine what this is. He's waiting on line to get killed. And he says, he remembered that in yeshiva, a year or two before, There was a boy in the yeshiva that was blind. He had very little besides eyes. He had very little in his life. And he had no bed. So the kid used to sleep on the floor. So this young man, Chaim, he said, I couldn't. He's blind. He can't see. And also on the floor. He says, I told him, please take this bed. He gave him his bed. He slept that year on the floor Because he said I couldn't see This boy sleeping on the floor He says I'm waiting on the line I know it's two minutes to death He said I turned to Hashem I said Hashem Please in the merit Of the Rahmanut That I had on this boy Please have Rahmanut on me That I don't deserve But the Rahmanut that I showed should be Rahmanut for me he says, the guy, the police guy looked at him. He said, you know, he looked like a good kid. He says, go run before I see you. Get away. He ran away. And he lived a very long, beautiful life. Rahmanut brings you Rahmanut. Look out for the opportunities. They're there literally every second of the day. All the time around people. Baruch Amen